0: So at the funeral we had recently for Mary Bird, we shared, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me, so it was one of her favorite songs. And her daughter Beth had sung it to her the day she passed, or the day before she passed, she'd wanted Beth to sing it. So in the ICU, she sang, Jesus loves me what a wonderful reminder so what do you want for Christmas you want a little box you want a big box you know the song all I want for Christmas is the two front teeth for some of us it might mean all oh, I want for Christmas is a little more hair something like that all I want for Christmas is to not have to wait in line so long Oh, I want one for Christmas what do we buy for each other I think we get harder to buy for as we get older don't we my kids keep asking me dad what do you want for Christmas I said I don't need anything I mean anything I need I've already bought and if there's something that I want I am probably saving money for it. I've already saved money for it and bought it. Good luck. What do you get? What do you get for the person that really doesn't need anything? Because there was a time in my life when I had a list. I was checking it twice, maybe two or three times more than that. And I would make hints. And when it came time for Christmas Eve or Christmas morning... I couldn't wait to put up my gifts to see what people bought me. Then, as I got older, those things that you can buy with money began to matter less and less. And those things that no amount of money can buy, ah, they became way more valuable. What would you like for Christmas that money can't buy? Certain faces present, certain relationships transformed, certain lives of people near to you committed to Christ, or to living the life of being committed to Christ. Would you like to have somebody back for just today to visit? because you miss so. All I want for Christmas. In Matthew chapter 2 we find part of the Christmas story about what gift to get for the early Christmas. In Matthew 2 verse 7 then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star Had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. Really? Do you believe that? After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the star was, where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of God. One of the things that we know from this scripture and, and its beauty is not necessarily that we're supposed to buy only three gifts at Christmas. I've had some people interpret it that way. It's not just the prophetic nature of the gifts, uh, the gift for a king, gift for a priest, gift for a sacrifice or a death, myrrh, a spice. But it is that when you come to celebrate, you bring gifts. That aspect of generosity is a part of the experience of Christian faith. We give to one another. God gives to us. He gives to us a spiritual gift in our salvation that helps direct our, our ministry and our opportunity. Gifts like encouragement. Gifts like faith. Gifts of, in the area of service such as evangelism. So God gives certain things. He gives to us all grace, of course, provision, love, forgiveness, mercy. He is generous in all these things. But I think we learn from this is that gift giving is a great tradition. It's a great tradition. Now, it's been relegated to simply retail experience in a lot of cultures. You go to some cultures and the gifts are not so expensive because financially many people struggle. But the gifts are very thoughtful. sometimes they're gifts that have been handed down from generation to generation. I anticipate soon to begin to give to my children some things that have been given to me that I hold dear, almost sacred, not things that I've personally purchased, but somebody purchased before me, and I valued them, and I want them to have those that they might value them and pass on to their children. Gift giving is a great tradition because it causes us to think not of ourselves, but of others. And to think, what would give them joy? What do they need? What would make them happier? What is a way for me to show someone that I value them greatly? Whether it be a spouse, whether it be a child, a parent. We want to show that we value them. Now, I want to give a little advice to husbands. Not that I have a lot of profound advice. What advice I have is usually picked up along the way from tragic experiences. The gift that matters the most is not based on a price tag but on the level of thought and preparation and care that's given to it some of the most meaningful gifts I was on the giving end of were gifts that I inadvertently just was thinking all year how to buy something or what it should look like or maybe even something that I had a part in putting together. Those are the gifts that mean so much more than getting our phone or computer and ordering from Amazon and waiting for it to deliver. Gift giving is a great tradition when we think less of ourselves and more about others what gift giving are you doing this year another thought that comes to mind in this scripture is that generosity reflects the very heart of God the nature of God is to be generous do you know people that are so tight when they move they squeak please don't raise a hand and please don't point to someone. But sometimes we do. We call it, I'm frugal. I'm a wise steward. I'm preparing for the future. In reality, we're probably tight wants. And let me tell you, it really is just money. It really is just U.S. presidents. Well, and a secretary of the treasury and the postmaster general. But uh, that's all it is. It's paper. Did you hear the child that asked money for mom, and mom said, Honey, you think money grows on trees? She said, Well, paper money does. Don't they make paper out of trees? There are no hitches on the back of a hearse. You take nothing with you. So how you handle what you have is huge. God was generous. The scripture tells us that he was generous in giving gifts. He was generous in sharing his son. He is generous in grace and mercy. He is generous in forgiveness. Have you noticed the sign out front that says, Live generously this season. I bet some of you thought, shouldn't that say give generously this season? Nope. Live generously. It's not just your money, it's your life that you live for others. You give for others. You're generous with your time, your emotions, your love. This is the will of God. I think, and forgive me if I seem a little distracted today, The events north and west have affected me more than I expected. I think we have an obligation to see other people. And I'm not sure we really do. We see the crowd. We see people that are hungry and needy and struggling but we only see them faceless almost as if oh that person on the angel tree that person in the grocery or the pharmacy and this person uh, they're a project for me and they're a project for my class Maybe the most powerful thing about Jesus is he saw people. I mean, he really saw them. He saw who they were. He saw to their soul. Do you remember the the time when he healed the ten lepers? He saw them. Do you remember when Peter and John went into the temple and Acts. as they walked in there was a beggar begging at the gate and Peter said look at me look at me he saw them I think God invites his people to see folks see it's easy when we hear of crises around the world, whether it be in Europe or Africa, Middle East, South America, Central America, it's just easy to hear about an earthquake maybe in California or a volcano in the Pacific Islands. But when you get phone calls from relatives, It wakes you up to see. Maybe it wakes us up to begin to see everybody that's in need. Generosity reflects the heart of God as we're generous and are giving to the gospel, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Folks, we've got $20,000 to raise. Why? Because that's half the budget for the whole year of gospel work by Southern Baptists around the world sharing Christ teaching Christ, helping trade pastors overseas, of uh, planting churches, providing medical care in times of need and crisis, helping farmers learn how to become self-sufficient through Christ and His missionaries. And if we fail, there are no other hands. God has chosen to use our hands, and the same locally. So, what do you need this Christmas? If God's generous, if gift-giving is a Christian tradition, what do you need? I think the Advent wreath maybe gives us our answer. Maybe God Just put on your heart you need hope. Hope. Hope is expectation. It's a belief that something will happen. Not just idle hope. It's it's a focused, genuine hope. It's not a Christmas wish list of this would be nice, but Father, I've been asking about this because it's so heavy on my heart. I would love For this to take place, I would love for this person to come to Christ. I would love for this person to give up their cynicism. I would love for this marriage to be salvaged. I would love for this friendship to be restored. I would love to not be bitter anymore. I would love to learn how to forgive as I wish I could be forgiven hope hope it is that this is not all there is that there's so much more so Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 tells us those who wait or those who hope in the Lord renew their faith they shall rise up on wings like eagles they shall run and not grow weary They'll walk, not pass out and faint. Those who hope in the Lord. Are you about ready to quit? Are you about ready to quit on your marriage? Are you about ready to quit on your health? Are you about ready to quit on faith because you've been listening to the cynics? Are you about to quit on the dreams that God's put in your heart? then maybe this year you need to open up a package of hope and belief that God is who he says he is. Maybe, maybe you need to open up under the Christmas tree the gift of peace. Because Mayfield and Bremen and Hopkinsville They're not the only places with storms. Some of you have had a storm in your life. You've lost a loved one. You've had a child get divorced. You've had somebody close and dear to you disappoint you horribly. You've lost a job or you're about to lose a job. And it's like the storm just doesn't stop. What's the answer to that? The answer is not, can all storms cease? Because part of nature is there are storms. Part of life is storms come our way. Peace is only possible because Jesus is in the boat. Remember the storm on Galilee? Jesus is in the lower section of the boat. He's laying his head on a pillow. He's asleep. The disciples are going nuts because these storms on the Sea of Galilee, which is a huge lake, they come up so quickly. And they will sink your boat so fast. Have if, if you not felt your boat about to go under? The disciples said, Jesus, wake up. Lord, save us. We're about to perish. Have you not had bedtime prayers are you ready to say, Lord Jesus, save us? We're about to perish. I don't want to wake up tomorrow. I'm about to perish. When he woke up, looked around, stretched, stood up in the boat. That kind of scares me. Stood up in the boat, looked around and said, shh. Peace, be still. When he shows up in our life and he speaks peace, it really doesn't matter that there are waves around us. What matters is that we're with Jesus and he calms our heart. You don't want to take peace back to the store and get in line for a return. Maybe it's joy that it was the candle we lit today. We lit the pink candle of joy. Joy, which was found for the shepherds that showed up, who were poor, smelly, probably hireling shepherds. Was it even their sheep? They heard angels singing and angels speaking, and they went to Bethlehem following the star to see the sight of this child born. And Mary pulled back the blanket. There he was. There he was. The Son of God, shepherds. When they went back to the field, they were still poor, smelly, and working for somebody else. But they had seen God. Would you like to see God? To know Him? To change everything? Why did they go back singing, rejoicing? Because only God can put that kind of joy in a heart. And there's really nothing else that can take it away. Because only God gives it. That's why the Christmas where we learn to give and receive is so much better than the Christmas that we seek. That's why the gift of love and forgiveness is so much better than a Mercedes Benz with a ribbon in your driveway. First of all, somebody's probably going to pay six years for that ribbon. But secondly, only God touches the heart. And then, of course, it's love. The candle yet unlit. It is love that reminds us of God's greatest gift, a gift not nice wrapping paper not a gift bag but cloths rags wrapped around a baby keep him warm in the middle of a straw bed a reminder of John 3.16 for God so loved the world he gave his only special unique born son God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, you, me, should not perish, but have life everlasting. You see, there are some people that find different meaning in Christmas, and I'm okay with traditional Christmas. I'm okay with Santa. I like Rudolph. I like The abominable snowman. I like all the TV shows and movies and the beautiful lessons and truths. I like the lights. I like decorating. I like apple cider, hot chocolate. I love the smell that fills the room. I love family coming together. I love seeing I'm pulling the driveway and hearing the door open because the kids know the code. I love that. But Jesus did not come to create a holiday. He came to seek and to save sinners. And I'm one. That's why he came why came for you. We can dress up all the Christmas stuff we want. We can give all the gifts we want. We can wish for all we want. But in the end, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of all I want for Christmas, well, I still have to two front teeth for now. But I sure could use some hope, some peace, some joy, and some love. And maybe you could too. Father, we love you. And we hear you. We need to hear you. And we need you to give us a heart of generosity, not just in our money, but in our love, our mercy, our forgiveness. Would you? Speak to our hearts today that we are not the same as when we gathered and we're about to go. We receive the gifts of Christmas. We are committed to giving the same. In the name of Jesus, amen.